What do you know about that, man? <laughs> That was pretty fun. <laughs> so I'm Chase Winninger, host of the podcast, Lee McClellan. I hope everybody's doing well. It's the beginning of the best time of year. Oh, in my opinion, it is. Co-host of the podcast, and then today's guest, Wes Little. Yep. Wes, tell us what you do real quick. Migratory bird pup, program biologist, uh, game birds. So doves, ducks, geese, coots, rails, yep. th that sort of thing. And you've been on before. Uh, last year to preview dove season. We wanted to get you on late last week, but schedules just didn't work out. So now we're one weekend in to dove season. Yep. So maybe you got some info for us there. I know Two you biggest went... days of the year for dove hunting, opening day and Labor Day. Yep, yep. They were back to back this year. Well, yeah. I mean, and you went out and shot. You said you didn't go, Lee. I'm going this weekend. I didn't make it either because of my dog's birthday. But if I honestly, on the way home today, would stop by the public field in Shelby County. And if it's open, I know there's some scheduling. See, it's, it's, a not, it's a cooperator yeah. field. It's the cooperator not. fields, we're allowed to arrest hunting on those fields for the week. So they're open on the opening day, Labor Day, and then they close until the following weekend to well, give the birds a little good break. For, yeah, that's pretty yeah. good. For yeah. You get more bang for your buck. hammered on the, those two days. And so it's good to give them a little break. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, there's a couple of private pieces of property I could probably... WMA fields, once they're open, they're open every day of the season. Okay. You can't stop those, so they're in and they stay in. But the so, private fields, we have the ability to rest the fields a little bit. So if somebody's thinking about going to a public field, maybe check online. Yeah, definitely make sure you know which are open and which are not. Yeah. Uh, on the interactive dove field map, I try to plug that as often as I can. A lot of people don't know about it. If you go to the map section on the website, uh -huh. click... Uh, game maps, and then you'll see public dove field map. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That will tell you each the location of every field, and then any special regulations. So if it's a cooperator field, it'll be labeled such, and yeah. then it'll also say open September one and two, close September third through six, reopen yeah. in September seventh, and so on. I actually used that last week. Somebody asked me if I knew of any public fields near Bowling Green, I think, mm -hmm. and so I actually just pulled up that. Like you're talking about, it literally is a map, just like Google Maps of the state, and then it has a pin on all the fields. Yep. So you can look and see where all the fields are, zoom in on your area. Yeah, you can turn topo on or imagery, yeah. or there's a lot of other I, functions that you can kind of get on. You can do some scouting, basically, before you, you get mm -hmm. there. If you just click on that pin, it'll give you the details for that field. So right. it's, I mean, it's nice and interactive, easy to use. And uh, you might not know there's a field close to you. You look at the map and you're like, holy crap, there's one 30 yeah. minutes away. They change every year, too. If a field yeah. doesn't make, we don't advertise it as a dove field. So now, now that I'm thinking about it, the Shelby County field, I used to live really close to it, and it had a gate that was actually closed on the days where it was not right. open. I'm not sure if all fields are like that, but I know that one did have a gate. Not all, but a yeah. lot of the cooperator fields are. Is, is that up to the landowners to close it? Is, it? it okay. is. Okay. Yep. So you kind of, I know the cooperator, cooperator fields, you kind of rely on the landowners to. Yeah, they do all the planning and management of the field itself. Yeah. They provide the field to us. Uh -huh. uh, it's up to them to open and shut a gate. They just can't leave a gate shut when the season's open. So if they want to close it during the week or shut it at night, they're allowed to do that. Yeah. And we encourage that. Now, what's but, the incentive for a landowner? So we pay them to plant and we, we pay well. We, you know, we're not going to have people participate if if there's no money in it. Yeah. So we pay them just like a cropping situation. So they can, they'll be paid $300 an acre to plant uh, some crops okay. for doves. Generally that's sunflower, millet, and wheat. That's the three big ones uh, that we want. Uh, some sunflower component because that is the king of the dove food plot world. Yeah. And then a couple other crops in case sunflowers fail. So it's kind of up to them what they plant, but you have some, you know. Yeah, there's a, basically they're, we get more applications than we get fund have funding to okay. 
for a field. So we have to rank them based on size and location to uh, heavily populated areas. So if you're close to Lexington, Louisville, where the majority of hunters are, yeah. there's that's also where there's the fewest amount of access. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's weighted. So how much access you're providing. If you're close to a WMA field, that's not as good of a field as an area that's not yeah. accessible by a WMA. So there's a lot that goes into it. And then also the, the crop, if you're so gonna plan a you know a minimal crop that's not gonna be great, mm -hmm. it's not gonna score as well as the guy that's gonna do okay. sunflowers, millet, wheat, several crops. Okay, so it's kind of a, an application system and you kind of gauge how successful is this gonna be, how beneficial is it gonna be, and then you pick your landowners accordingly. That's exactly right. And yeah. access, you've gotta have a parking lot and yeah. you've gotta be able to get hunters from the road to the field without having to go through six gates and yeah. worry mm -hmm. about cattle or anything. You know, There's a lot that goes into selecting which fields get in. I know you've told me, you actually told me earlier today because you came back here to shoot a video segment with us earlier that uh, some of the landowners get pretty detailed into picking out their crops. And yeah, there's a, some are fanatics, yeah. so that that's great. The, the mm -hmm. guys that do a great job will get in again because we need the guys that are passionate about planting a dove crop. If yeah. you just do it on the side, yeah, I'll give you some access, but you don't really plant a great field for us, yeah. that's not the landowners yeah. we need. So what do they do? Like what you're talking about landowners who really get fanatical about it. Soil test, make sure soil fertility is perfect. We don't want you just throwing a crop out there. You want to treat it as if you're going to harvest and gain income off of it. Mm -hmm. So you're going to soil test fertilizing lime as needed. You're going to control weeds throughout the summer if, as needed. You're going to make sure the crop's planted at a certain date so that September 1st it is ready. And then they also have to come in a week before, well, up to two weeks before, and mow and disc to make sure there's bare dirt, get the seed on the ground so the doves can use it. So okay. if, if they're not willing to do all that, they're not going to get in the program. You know, a lot of people don't realize what a component bare dirt is for a Oh, good... it's the, it is the most <clears throat> important component. The bare dirt? Yep. Yes. Doves will not get in thick grassy stuff to feed if they don't have to. They would much rather be in the dirt to pick seeds out. Mm -hmm. now, I've always heard that gravel yep. is nice too. Gravel the mm -hmm. same way. Yep. Doves like to have a clean pot to pick for seeds and whatnot. I've heard gravel and farm ponds are two oh. things to look for. Yep. That so. Farm ponds is kind of a secret dove hunting thing mm -hmm. that I think. You can hunt a farm pond for doves. And hunt and like especially ducks those and that have like some dirt right late around, summer this yeah. time of year a lot well, of farm it's not weedy all the way to the water you want some bare dirt and smooth because it does prefer that yep. correct why yep. do they prefer that i know the gravel is grit so they can they need that to break up the food in their yeah and right yeah. so yeah. for one you know dove's not going to land in water to drink they're going to want to walk to it and so a, a pond that's six inches deep all the way to the bank a dove can't walk out and drink they don't bend over far they're not yeah. a big bird they have short legs so think of shorebirds some same same thing they yeah. want super shallow water to reach down and get a drink. Mm -hmm. So that's the main reason. So if you're looking at, you know, say you have private property to dove hunt and you know, I mean, everything looks the same, couple tree lines, some, some crops, look for maybe gravel, maybe look for farm ponds. Yes. I'd yep. say especially farm ponds. Farm ponds is one Over of Over gravel is what I mean. Yeah, farm ponds is just fun. It does go to ponds before they roost. They gotta have water to get through the night. Okay. And so if you can find a pond that has that shallow a little mud flat before the mm -hmm. water gets there. The water's nice and shallow. You can hunt them like ducks, put decoys out and the mm -hmm. spinners and everything. I've done it. It's fun. It's yeah. really good as as the pressure pushes 
the birds off other fields, I right. think those get better and better. Right. You, agree? And, and you can't really pressure them off of water because they have to have water. Yeah, there's you know, food you, other places. Right. If they're in the area and there's only a couple of places to get a drink, you're going to find them. So. Yeah, that makes me think. You know, there's a couple of spots where we've shot fields in the past and there's been a farm pond out there. And it seems like that person close to that pond has gotten... Some pretty good shot opportunities. Yeah, they haven't always made the shots. I mean, that is. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing is, a lot of times the farm ponds kind of sit lower in the fields, and so if you have birds coming through, there's a chance they might be higher. Right. You know, mm -hmm. versus if you're sitting up on the knoll at the base of a power line up in the highest spot of the field, a lot of times those birds are a little more level with you. That's just. Oh, it makes me want to go duck hunting now. I kind of <laughs> wish I could I get out there today. Well, there was a spot in Madison County near where there's a public field that I've hunted for 25 years and they would they have a tobacco basin there forever, hay bales, a farm pond, and a gravel driveway right beside oh, that's it. that's perfect. Yeah. I'd sit out there of an afternoon. I mean, it, it would go into well into October. Sit yeah. out there in the afternoon and well, he, hash shoot them and God, it was fun. I think Wes was at that field this past weekend. Yeah, I, I did go to the this Madison County field. This wasn't in that field. spot, but it was on, oh, okay. on that but he property. was at the Madison County yeah, Took my daughter out there and the field was great. There were a ton of hunters, lots of shooting. Yeah. So great field. There's something different about that field you were telling me earlier, and that's that it, it was required to use a steel shot this yep, year? Yep, it's a steel shot only shot, field, yeah. or non-toxic okay. shot, right. So a lot of hunters don't like to shoot steel shot. It costs a little bit more. It's yeah. it's not as bad as it used to be, but uh, it's still a little higher than dove loads. Yeah. And hunters, they don't like to use it. They don't think it's as powerful. Uh, I'm not sure I'm convinced that you can't kill with steel just as easy as lead, but yeah. uh, mm -hmm. a lot of people do say that. So. So... What was the reason for that one? Uh, on that one, there's a neighborhood close by. So you were just looking for... Yeah, we had a couple complaints and, you know, access is the limiting factor for dove fields. We try to put as many fields out there, especially in the Lexington and Louisville areas. Yeah. And uh, we made it steel shot only. One steel shot does not carry as far. Uh -huh. And generally, if, if there's another option to shoot lead shot, hunters generally will pick another option instead of seeking out, finding the steel shot yeah. and, and going. So it, it kind of puts hunter numbers down when you do that, as well as the, the steel shot just won't carry as far. Mm -hmm. So we're just trying to take a little yeah. pressure off that neighborhood. We also put signs up, uh, change the boundary from the years previous to, okay. to, to keep hunters as far away from the neighborhood as possible. And that was a new change for this year? It was, and the hunters did great too. I, I will say we were, I was a little leery of people, you know, kind of getting past the signs if that's where the doves wanted to be, but the hunters were great. They all. Okay. They were yelling to other hunters not to take shots, and it was yeah. it was perfect. So I know you guys had. So I think you said J John Brunges was out there, right? He was. JB yep. was out there. Yeah, he he, was... he actually sat at the entrance and made sure every hunter that came in knew about all the new changes. So that's good. Do, we do what I can. So nice. Did he have a shotgun with him? He had one with him, but he was working. He was. Not <laughs> I was going to say yeah. if JB, that'd be hard for him to sit yeah, on the edge of a dove field. He, he <laughs> did take one with him, but he was working the entire time. Yeah. I, I felt bad for the guy. He, yeah, I, I he ran his mouth talking to hunters all <laughs> afternoon long. Oh so, well, well, he, you know, hunters love to talk. So JB has enough mm -hmm. fun though. I see he his, does, yeah. I see his whitewater rafting videos and stuff. So <laughs> he, too. he can sit that one. I, was, yeah. I watched one the other day. I went through that area and it was very low. Here last week, I floated that, and then I saw JB's video and it was like standing waves as tall. Yeah. I floated it. It was <laughs> I like want to get a dragon every hundred fifty yards. <laughs> I tell you what, the, the people listening to the podcast might not. This might not make any sense to them because they don't know about these videos, but. <laughs> He went and he guided a raft on the New River, yep. Class 5 Plus, and I've done that same float with a professional guide, 
And uh, I can't imagine being the person in charge of that boat. No, on the no. Class Five Plus, you're talking about like oh, I know I've... Pillow Top Rock and all these places. And I mean, there's some. The one I remember vividly is Surprise Rapid. Did, mm. Have you ever floated over? I, I, I did the I did the marathon. It was 26 miles on. I think it was the goalie. It was the full upper and lower. A friend of mine won a trip to the New River through a fishing club. And he said, hey, man, I want a guided trip. You want to go? I was like, well, yeah, I got a trip on the New River. The day we got there, it was 82 degrees. It was in early October. And uh, I was like, whoa, 82 degrees, we're going to kill him. Next day, the high was 49. You could see your breath. <laughs> I worked my butt off for two smallmouths. But, <laughs> but he was in the middle of, uh, of, of the raft we were in. And he said, watch out, this one's surprise rapping. You couldn't see anything, but you heard, but you couldn't see a thing. And you go over and there's an eight foot standing wave that you just, there's no way around it. You just go, whoa, boom. Right? That, was, that was intense. Right after that was a good hole and we caught fish there. But oh, well, I, if I did surprise rapid in, in my, either one of my kayaks now, it'd be upset city. Oh, what will Lee McClellan not do for a smallmouth? That, <laughs> that is the question. <laughs> he, and, and that day we had waders on. It was cold. That dude had on shorts and, and keens. I was like, man, I, I guess he's got it so much he doesn't have any nerve oh, those endings guys left. Are, those guys are crazy. <laughs> and, I mean, you could see your breath. We were eating lunch and shivering and hard, having a hard time eating our sandwich. You could just see your breath. Biggest. Wow. It was cold. <laughs> I loved it. It was great. But that's so, when I got turned on to Tudor's Biscuit World. <laughs> have you ever had Tudor's Biscuit World up in Northeast no, Kentucky? I oh, I have not. <laughs> yeah, it's Northeast Kentucky and West Virginia. That's it's huh. called Tudor's Biscuit World. And they they are fantastic. Nice. So, well, they, they specialize in breakfast. Take my kids there for fall break. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you're going up through there, look for a Tudor's Biscuit World. They're great. <laughs> so, one thing that um, we're talking about the public duff fields. So we had a camera guy, Jameson, go with uh, Officer Casper. Out of uh, Oldham County, and they checked the public duff fields. Casper's checking a bunch of them, but I know the only one that they went and filmed at was the Shelby County field, and things they were looking for. Because people listen to the podcast, you know, a lot of people, their feedback we get are people who are looking to get into certain opportunities. And so, some things you might want to know if you're going dove hunting are, of course, plug your gun mm-hmm. right, and have your hip survey completed and your migratory bird permit because those are the three main things that seem like mm-hmm. they were I've got that on my notes, checking yeah. checking people for and right. I know that there was somebody who didn't have a plug gun and there was somebody who didn't have their hip completed yep. and the hips it takes 30 seconds right and we had a, we caught some flack a little bit when we introduced hip yeah we're not looking to write tickets for hip we yeah. want the data that yeah. is how we know how many dove hunters we have how many woodcock hunters we have, how many rail hunters. If you just buy a sportsman's license, you're a migratory bird hunter. Well, you may not be. You may just be a deer hunter that likes to buy the license in case you go. This lets us know, did you hunt last year? Will you hunt this year? We get a lot of data from that. So real quick, the HIP is Harvest Information Program, right? That's what it stands for. And it's just a survey that you fill out before you hunt migratory birds. Yep, takes 30 seconds. And and this was made standard two years ago, last year. Yeah, two or three. I can't. Two or three time years goes ago. by now, but it's that's when it became at least required. two years. Yes. Uh, that's when it became required for hunters to have it completed before they fill out. Yep. Before they actually hit the field. Right. And the way I understand it, and you tell me if I'm wrong, in the past that information was still being collected, 
but it was being collected by clerks. By the license vendor. Yeah. In theory, yeah. So when you used to buy your hunting license, if the job was done whatever. right, yeah. they asked you a bunch of questions. Did yeah. you hunt doves? Did you hunt ducks? Did you hunt geese? Yeah. A lot of places, they were so busy, the clerks, they had no idea what those questions were, so they would just type zero in. Zero. Yes. Did not hunt, did not hunt, did not that hunt, way they did get not hunt. A bad date is worse than no date. Yeah. Right. It's, it was horrible. So for dove hunters, for instance, we would have a swing of dove hunters half a million strong, you know, nationwide, you know, that's bad data. Yeah. There's not that many hunters that did one year and didn't another, yeah. you know, the, the, the numbers just were not consistent and that's the reason. So how did the data change whenever we started requiring it? Do you so, know? Oh, it's, it's great. So, so it's probably anytime, completely different data set. Right. It's a, it's as close to accurate as you can be because you're not, every time you buy the, the, or not buy, it's free, but when you do the hip survey, the first thing, did you hunt last year? Yeah. So we can back check. We knew last year how many licenses were sold, yeah. and now we have how many did go hunt with that license, and then will you hunt this year? So we have a number to, to use yeah. for this, and then it, there's species specific. You know, yeah. if, if did you kill more than one to ten ducks? Well, you know, it's not even that that time consuming because it says no. basically no. it's like, did you hunt dove? You Bam. hit you hit yes. It says how many did you harvest? Right. You, did you hunt duck? No. Did you hunt? And you go through, and if you yep. didn't hunt it, you just didn't know, and so you, that's literally all you have to do is say. If you hunted each species, and if you did happen to hunt it, you give like an estimated number of right. that you harvested. So it's, I mean, it took me literally 45 seconds. Mm -hmm. yeah. Woodcock, for instance, it's kind of a byproduct. Most of the hunters that harvest woodcock, it's a byproduct of quail hunting or grouse hunting. Okay. You know, very few are avid woodcock hunters. Philippe yeah. is. Yep, exactly. There, there are a handful that are axed. Actual woodcock hunters, that's their target species, and they kill more than 15 every year. Yeah. We couldn't have identified who those people were without the hip. So yeah. when you want to make a season change and you want to find out how this is going to affect your hunters, it's good to know who are the avid hunters, who are the occasional hunters. It just helps us make decisions. So I know, uh, well, obviously that data is important for all the reasons you just said. And like you said a second ago, we all we want is the data. We aren't trying to, it's not like we're trying to write tickets based on this. Right. But... That being said, I know that I told you that in the Shelby County field this weekend, they did come up on somebody while they were filming um, for the show that didn't have their hip completed. And the game warden basically said, all right, well, put your gun down and get on your phone and fill it out real quick before you continue right. hunting. So he didn't write a ticket for that, but that's officer discretion. Mm -hmm. I is. mean, he easily could have taken him for it at the same time, and another officer might. And uh, so have it filled out. You're not always going to get the, the grace of get on your phone and do it in the field. I wouldn't, I wouldn't think I would be that lucky if I was out in the field and I didn't have it. Right. It's so. better to have it ready. So yeah. mm -hmm. don't have to worry about officer discretion. Yeah. And then, of course, the other thing we mentioned was uh, having a plug in your gun. Mm -hmm. Your gun's allowed to hold two in the tube, one in the chamber. That's three, correct. Three shells maximum. Three max. With yes. one chambered. So check that, too. And uh, a little tip i don't know if this is a good tip or not but you can make a plug out of just about anything sure and um the old big pins yep sticks stick. pencils mm -hmm. yep there's lots Dial of ways rod. To, mm -hmm. and here's something i've done before actually in my shotgun right now if you say your gun holds four in the tube and you need it to hold two right well all i've done before if it's a 12 gauge i've taken 20 gauge shotgun shells and put them on the opposite yeah, the side of the board. spring, yeah. and you put two of them in there, it's going to reduce the capacity by exactly that. So I literally have two shotgun shells on the opposite side 
of the spring in my gun, and that's how my plug is made of shotgun shells. And yep. like I can make a plug out of this mm -hmm. ink paint yep. in my hand right here. So it's not it's not like you gotta go to the store and buy a plug. You can easily. Um, what was that guy? Mick. Mick. MacGyver. MacGyver. Oh, MacGyver <laughs> <a> <laughs> shotgun plug. That's right. Yeah. But our, our hip survey is, uh, has been, I think you or JB told me, it's a, other states have borrowed our model yeah, we're, for their hip com survey compliance. Every correct? state, it, uh, waterfowl-wise, I can speak for the Mississippi Flyway. I, I attend those meetings every year, and every state is a little bit different, but a lot of states like what we're doing with hip. So um, they're looking at the way we did it and how it will fit their their needs so and we also get harvest you know the only way we know how many doves are harvested are when you get on there and said i shot yeah. one to ten or i shot more than ten or more yeah. than thirty that's the only way we know now we do ban doves we do we does get, that give us any idea yeah that, but would you gotta yeah you, you gotta back check everything right, we only so, banned x number of doves it's not that many it's like how many doves do we band each year? Uh, around 1500 See, is what not, i try to not get a ton it doesn't it's seem not like. so we know what how many doves in theory we know how many doves are out there we know how many are banded how yeah. many of those are harvested we uh -huh. know the return rate on on bands so that uh we use that and then the hip numbers it backs up what our yeah. data you know what the the banding data well, shows we're not relying on just one data set you no, have yeah. your multiple measures out there right you uh, want to check everything all the time so it's the more data the better so i've got two two other questions for you i just thought of this so you hunt you're not just a waterfowl guy personally. You hunt deer. You hunt, oh, yeah, I hunt like, just about everything. Just about everything. Somebody asked me the other day um, if we on the podcast could talk a little bit more about Western Kentucky mm -hmm. and opportunities in Western Kentucky. You know, Wes just said that he you know knows about the Mississippi River Flyway. And your experience, West, what are what's out there in Western Kentucky that we? Because I'm not from Western Kentucky. When I go down there, I'm going to the Big Lakes mm -hmm. most likely. Right. And it's probably the same with you. I mean, uh, I, I know you float some creeks down there. From yeah, time. I have. Um, but I'm like you. I've, Kentucky Lake is just, even with the Asian carp, it's still just I've, the Mac Daddy. It is, yeah. <laughs> it's just the Mac Daddy. I've when never, you're on that lake, you expect fish to just jump in the boat besides Asian carp. Yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> a, and the hunting is good there as well. When diver mm -hmm. numbers are strong and winter is there, you can get a true diving duck hunt. Uh, you know, Kentucky is mostly puddle duck country. Your mallards and gadwall and teal. But Kentucky Lake, you can get into some scop and, and ringneck and huh. golden eye and canvasback hunts. Mm -hmm. that, just something different. Uh, it's common up north, but we just don't have a lot of the great habitat that they like. And that's one place you can get in a good shoot if the, mm -hmm. the hunters are there, or the numbers are there. And then along the river, too. I mean, we got the Ohio River that borders that whole area. Yeah, the Ohio River is a whole other world. That, yeah. I mean, you got to know where you are, what you're going, where you're going, how to get to it, what the river is going to be. Uh -huh. And then you got to know once you get there if it's public or not. You know, the banks of the Ohio River are not public land. Yeah. Uh, most of the islands are not public land. Yeah. So you can be in the river and hunt. That's no problem. But you can't get out on the banks. You can't get in somebody's crop field if you got the river out. Yeah. You know, the property lines still apply. You cannot get out on somebody's property just because the river is yeah. covering it. We yeah. may have talked about this last year on our waterfowl piece, but it's a common question. Uh, yeah. Can you? We talked about it at flood stage and stuff yeah. and, and hunting. Can you you can anchor? No, on, I don't think private land. So when you so were, what, what was we? Remember we had that discussion about that. Yes. Yeah, so you, you can't touch bottom. It's the same as being in a creek for the most part. But you right. can't anchor. 
no, that your anchor would be making you trespass the same as decoy weights. If you throw out duck decoys, and they hit your the, weights okay. touch private land because the river's out, you are now tr trespassing. And for people who maybe didn't listen to that one, what we're talking about right now is if the river gets up and it's, say, flooded somebody's cut cornfield. Right. That I get be a lot because am I in Indiana, am I in Kentucky, and that comes up a lot. It is legal too. to navigate that. Yeah. You can mm -hmm. take your boat over that property. There's nothing illegal about that. But when you stop and start anchoring, you're now on Trespass. their property. Yeah. Just right. basically, if you're if you're completely floating on the water, you're not touching bottom at all, then you're in the river, you're on public. But as soon as you touch the ground below you, if it's not within the river banks, what the ideal river banks usually are, then you are trespassing. Right. Okay, so if you get up in somebody's cornfield and you, you're good as long as you aren't touching anything other than water. Right. Okay. So, um, but I mean, there's a lot of just real quick, I don't know if you've ever deer turkey hunted out there, but as far as Western Kentucky goes, and I'll try to deer have- heaven. Yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. The Jameson in there, he has a farm out there. Um, this is in Todd County? Todd County. And the deer. Allen is Callaway like, County. And it's yeah, that's right there, all that. Christian, Todd, beautiful. I mean, all that. Yep. Allen just, County. I mean, that whole area definitely. is just loaded with deer and turkey. Right. And you can get on the department's website and look at harvest data by county and get a really good idea for what opportunities like for both deer and turkey across the state. And if you look at that part of the state, it's yep. some of the biggest numbers that you're going to see anywhere. Um, yep. I mean, we have it great here, but if you were going to ask me where I would like to deer and turkey hunt the state at. That's it, where to go. Two you, of my favorite places to deer hunt. One is Webster County. I yeah. have a friend with a farm down there. And I, I absolutely, I don't get to go much anymore because of the kiddos, but yeah. his farm is beautiful. And when you're there, you're just, you're expecting 150 inch deer to walk out yeah. at any time. You're not, you mm -hmm. know, when 130 walks by, it's just like, that's just another 130 yeah. class. That's the mindset. It's not always mm -hmm. that way, but that's the way you feel it's when you get in the, the habitat out there. You look at the deer and, Jameson has on the wall. Most yeah, of them are 150. That's the thing. Callaway County, my friend there, it's yeah. the same way. When you look at his mounts, 130 inch deer just doesn't look like it's worth your time. I'm not so. sure why. I mean, we have great habitat here, but down there it's, you know, big fields, yeah. big rivers. Great crop agriculture, great and, soil and nutrition. And just too. They, you know, people think of the corn sea in western Kentucky, but there is a lot of mature oak forest out mm -hmm. there as well. And just, it's a perfect combination for deer hunting, in my opinion. And it could have something to do with human population also. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's not quite as dense. Yeah. No, it's very counties. rural out there. Yeah. Absolutely. So that's how your average life expectancy of a deer could be a little bit older. So that allows them to grow a little bit bigger. And, I was uh, covering an elk hunt years ago. And I was in, of course, up, you know, uh, near the star, what we used to call the Starfire property. It's up in on the Perry. Uh, I think it's still called the Starfire property. Okay, up there. And... Um, a guy came up who was from there and goes, look at this big buck I shot. And it was a 10-pointer. And the guys who were on the hunt were from Crofton. Huh. <laughs> and uh, he showed him, he goes, that's a little bee deer. <laughs> he said, well, when we would shoot that deer. <laughs> like that, that guy, his face turned around as a beat. You could see the steam coming out of his ears. That was a once-in-a-lifetime deer. But he's like, no, where I'm from, that's a little deer. So, I mean, but, you know, it wasn't too far from the truth. My buddy's deer camp in uh, Webster County. There's some Alabama boys that we ran into oh all the time. Oh they, gosh! I mean, they just they completely skipped Tennessee and Alabama, come straight to Webster yep. County every single year. That, People from I mean, you look at some of the deer that are killed in Florida or in you know, like you said, Alabama. Yeah, the size of the, a big big buck down there is like subpar for a right. lot of hunters right. up here. Mm -hmm. I mean, a deer that went. 
you know, 230 pounds on the hoof and, you know, it's a 150 inch buck is unheard of down there, mm-hmm. especially the on hoof weight because- I mean, I've had a lot of people call through the years too. I'm from Mississippi, I'm from Alabama. I can't wait to get back up there. Is there, you know, I lost my lease. Is there, what public hunting do I have? My God, I saw this, I saw that. Right. People come from North Carolina, South Carolina, yeah. all over, you get calls from all over there. You know, the thing is, it's, come m- hunt. it's mostly Kentucky. people from further south. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, people obviously come from up north to, to hunt here also, but <clears> the size, it seems like the size difference in deer it kind of once you get to Tennessee, you know it's big deer all the mm-hmm. way up north, and it's it doesn't keep growing like that. I don't know if it's soil down in the in the southern be numbers states. too. You know. Yeah, being a one buck state, I think is one of the main things. There's just a lot of oh my gosh, that helps a lot. Older age deer on the landscape because you can't harvest so many. I, yeah, I grew lo- up in Tennessee where you could harvest three. When I lived there, it was three bucks per year. There was no incentive to wait on the big deer because you could go ahead and take. What's it, it going to hurt? Yeah. Kill a buck a so, month. I, so I think that there's a lot to do with it. But. A South Carolina season opened a, a couple weeks ago, and I just happened to see where people were killing deer in South Carolina. So I got on there and looked at the regs. I was thinking I can get out there and hunt deer early this year. Just go to South Carolina, mm-hmm. and it's a five buck limit. <laughs> no more than two can be taken on one day, and I, and there's only four can be taken on public land. Wow. <laughs> I was like, oh. my God. Oh, it's good to have sidebars. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Sidebars. I'm not complaining about one buck <laughs> I mean, at all. You're no. right. I mean, a lot of them are Mississippi. Man, there's a lot of Mississippi people come to Kentucky, Alabama, Mississippi, and South Carolina, too. I've got a lot of calls from South Carolina yeah. wanting to come up here or not. So but, while we're, we just talked about deer hunting a little bit, uh, while we're on the subject, briefly, because obviously we, none of us are deer biologists, but Wes is a biologist. So. Mm-hmm. And um, I've been getting some reports sent to me lately, and I pass those on and reported a couple myself. Um, EHD, mm-hmm. uh, it's something that is going on right now. Uh, from what I understand, it's nothing like 2017. Yeah, no, not yet. From what I understand, and again, I'm not in the deer program yeah. and I'm not up to date on Will the Will this drought latest. condition make it worse well, that we're kind of going through? So it's very common. EHD is a natural occurring thing in a deer herd. And when it gets dry, deer are forced to congregate around water. And that is also where the flies congregate. Mm-hmm. And so it just passes on easier. The good thing about EHD, if there's a good thing, the deer that survive and are born directly out of the ones that survive will have some resilience to it. And mm-hmm. so you'll, you will have an outbreak and it will knock your numbers back, but you're safe for a while after yeah. that. So that's kind of a, the neat thing about yeah. EHD. The way I understand it, and I feel pretty confident in all this, it's not, C- CWD and EHD are two different things. Way different things. Way different. And because there was some confusion, I think our biologists have started calling EHD just HD mm-hmm. uh, to try to you know remove some of that um, confusion. But you have I've seen people on Facebook lately posting some deer that were dead near water or sick or just acting yeah. funny. And basically the drought, we there's always EHD. Every year there's EHD. Um, but when we have drought conditions, these midges that actually transmit the disease are born in mud banks. Right. So when we have a drought, there's more mud banks, there's more midges, plus the deer congregate to water where those midges are, they get bit. If a midge bites an infected deer, then they will then have the disease to pass on to other deer if they bite another one. So the drought conditions kind of just make what happens every year on a small scale more prevalent. Right. And, uh, you know, I think I found a deer that I think was, you know, killed by EHD. Unfortunately, had been dead for a day or two too many. Is that so, the one you put on Facebook? Yeah, there's a good buck. I couldn't get the uh, brain sample done on that one, but I know our biologist Kyle Sams and, and Gabe and those guys. They're working on 
collecting deer samples from all over the state for a variety of reasons. I bet it smelled wondrous. I was being brave going down there and getting that picture, okay? That thing. <laughs> that thing looks sweaty. <laughs> yeah. well, that, but, so the bottom line is EHD's definitely happening. It's not nearly as bad as it was no. in the past yet. And that's why it happens. And like you said, if a deer survives it, they can build up an immunity and they can pass that immunity down a generation. Yeah, for the, yeah. there's a stretch there. You're safe from EHD for a while. Yeah, which is kind of nice when it survives. Right. So people ask about, should I put this deer down if I see one that I think might be sick? You know, and I, I tell them no, because I'm not an expert. I call somebody if you want to, but if that deer does survive, then it's gonna be even stronger for the herd, for itself and for, you know, if it's a doe, a generation down from it. Right. So, and I don't know what the how, the percentage of if you're bit, you're 90% likely to die. Yeah, I, I couldn't answer a question like that. Well, it does make you nervous yeah. as a hunter. Yeah. I will say that mm -hmm. because, you know, I've, I'm hunting near water and, and I've been, you know, kind of crossing my fingers that I don't, I don't run into anything and I haven't. So I haven't been affected at all. But like we said, that's different than CWD. Yeah. And you were in a meeting the other day back here with all the biologists. It seemed like everybody was there. Everybody available. Yeah, so basically, we've heard about the CWD plan for years now. Uh, it, it's surrounded us for a long time. Chronic, it's, chronic wasting disease. Yes. So what, what do you know about CWD real quick? before? So you chronic wasting disease is actually a prion, which is like a protein thing. I'm not a disease specialist. I'm okay. definitely not the one to tell you what CWD is, uh -huh. but it's different than any other disease on the landscape. It comes from the soil, the way I understand yeah, well, it. Well, yes. it persists in the soil. There are some studies out that suggest it might even be able to, you know, aer aerosolize, you know, that uh -huh. can be passed on through the air. It doesn't die just because you bury the deer. That disease can live in the soil for a very long time. Uh, if, if you have a deer you know has CWD, you can't incinerate it unless you can get the incinerator up to like 1200 degrees. It takes a lot of fire to kill that thing. It's just a very- 1200 degrees to kill this thing. Yes, mm -hmm. it's a and very it's persistent- It's a protein, you said. Yeah, the prion, prion yeah. or prion mm -hmm. is, you can Google that That's and ridiculous. you'll learn a lot more than what I can tell you. Yeah. But it's scary. I mean, it's within a hundred miles in two directions. And Tennessee has it, Missouri has it within a hundred miles of Kentucky. And so, the meeting last week basically is to prepare us. You know, it, it, the likelihood we'll get it is definitely there when it's that close. Uh, it's a, it depends on prevalence rate. So I don't know the numbers in Tennessee, what their prevalence rate, but that's, you know, states like New York were able to get ahead of CWD. Uh -huh. They got on it fast. They got early detections, got in, controlled the hot zone basically as fast as possible and the CWD did not spread. Basically their prevalence rate was super low and then eventually got to zero. They could not find a CWD deer with their testing. Testing continues. Okay. Where other states you have a, as much 50% or more uh, prevalence rate and I, I've heard those numbers. I don't know which states. Mm -hmm. So the plan here is get on it quick and I got to sit in on a meeting where they prepared us and uh, we walked in and it was a mock scenario, you know, not, not real. They said, all right, we got CWD here. This is what we're gonna do. And everybody was broken down into teams. You're told this is your job, this is your job. You had everything from vet staffs to the money market, you know, the yeah. guys that moved the money into the right accounts and everybody had a specific role. And it was super neat to me. I've yeah. always heard CWD is a game changer for your agency. It's all hands on deck. I never knew what that meant, but now I have seen the moving parts when we have CWD in a, a specific spot, everybody knows what happens next. And so 
knowing what your job is from then on, that was an eye-open experience to me, and mm -hmm. I learned a lot. So, so it's we, we have no idea if we're going to get CWD in a month or in five years or in 10 years or 20. Like, we have no idea when it's going to happen, but right. we are preparing, yep. running through mock scenarios. And I went back there and I looked through the mock scenario a little bit. I mean, it was very detailed. It basically it said we had somebody harvest a deer in this location. They field dressed it on site. They took it to the taxidermist here and dropped off these parts, and then they took it to a processor and basically. Right, it was CSI in the deer world. I mean, yeah. they, they investigated everything that could be learned about that individual animal, uh -huh. where the remains of that animal may be found, uh -huh. and set up hot zones that we definitely have to work here and test every animal we can uh -huh. test within this circle, and then a, a bigger, broader circle where we want to test out here as yeah. well based on the individual point it was shot so you know CWD is there mm -hmm. and then a secondary was it went to this spot and was disposed of here so it could be prevalent there you know you had two different scenarios definitely is here could be here and so everybody had a job based on those two points and goals to carry out from there so, huh. so CWD I know you aren't allowed to bring back uh, this the brain or spinal matter of a deer from I think it's any state now into That's Kentucky, correct. right? Yes. It, that that changed last year when Tennessee got it. Right. But so you is that where the disease is located within the animals and it's in the spinal fluid. Right. The, spinal fluid and lymph nodes is where. Okay. The, so when we do CWD testing, that's the the area we're trying to get to 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 get the samples to send off. Okay. And inside of say we did get CWD zone in a specific county and you set that zone up, you wouldn't be able to take a deer harvested in that zone outside of that county. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, that's stopping the spread yeah. is the key of getting ahead of CWD and the meeting, that that's what I gleaned off that meeting. So. You no, know, it's weird, it kind of reminds me, and this isn't a direct comparison at all, but it kind of reminds me of like the zombie apocalypse movies. Mm -hmm. It's like if we, it, it, something hits and then there's a quarantine zone and there's all kinds of tests being done. And yeah. I mean, it's kind of, you know, trying to control a potential outbreak like that. Right. Luckily, the outbreak isn't here. We're we're ahead of it, and we're preparing right now. So, it just yeah. you know that a lot of people. You know, there's states that have had it for 25 plus years. Yeah. I mean, it it is life changing, but it's it's not scary. You know, the zombie apocalypse. It's the same thought process, but the deer aren't going to come eat you. You know, it's no. it's still a wild deer herd. There's still yeah. you know the deer won't necessarily change other than the prevalence of the disease that well, you don't want to move from that individual spot. Well, CWD looks similar to EHD? That, so the deer definitely, they drool, they, they waste away, obviously chronic wasting disease, the deer yeah. get in very poor condition, and you'll just see slobber, the pictures I've seen, slobber everywhere, mm -hmm. and you know, kind of dazed and confused or whatever. So it's similar, but EHD is, it's different. Yeah, so, much different. So yeah. but that's I kind of wanted to touch on that because obviously CWD has been talked about more lately because we have changed some regs to accommodate CWD being close by in other states. So people have heard that term a lot. And then when something happens like EHD is happening right now, I feel like some people might not know the difference or yeah. you know might confuse the two. So I kind of wanted to touch on that just so people kind of had an idea what EHD was and kind of yeah. had an idea what CWD was. and which we had and which we didn't and what's being done about them. Yep. So and I, obviously I know you aren't a deer biologist, you're uh, migratory birds, but I mean, I knew you'd sat in on that meeting. And yeah, had it was neat. So. Not being a deer biologist, I think I probably gained a lot more from that meeting than people that are more 
in that circle, I guess. So if CWD did hit five years from now and you're still here as a migratory bird biologist, would you be a deer biologist at the same time? It would be all hands on deck. Uh, anybody that works here will have their an opportunity to help yeah. and they will need all the help they can get. <laughs> it, it, the, the neat thing I saw, it's not a sprint to get ahead of this. You yeah. definitely have to jump on it immediately, but you're thinking long-term. You don't stop your surveillance in the entire state. Yeah but you have to increase surveillance in a specific spot. So you're basically doing twice or three times the work with the same number of people. <clears throat> so it, it, it was, yeah. it's neat. And you know, some of the surveillance they do, like Kyle Sam's down there. I've had Kyle on the podcast before with Gabe. And um, you know, I occasionally I'll see a dead deer and I'll call Kyle and he will go out and you know, get it for a sample. Mm -hmm. And right now down there in the vet building, I went and checked on him for some reason before I went to lunch. And they had multiple deer in there that they were collecting all kinds of data samples from. And one of those is the, the ne necropsy. Is that how it, the, the mm -hmm. right word? Is that how right. you pronounce it? And that's a brain sample. They basically take like a, a, a cubic centimeter of the, uh, of the brain and they test that and they test it for a variety of things. But they're doing samples like that from all over the state. Yeah, it's nonstop. They yeah, sample and, CWD every chance they get. And that's been going on. I mean, that's nothing new. They've been doing these samples no. and been testing the whole state. Each region has a quota, but it, it's they don't stop. You yeah. know, when they get the quota, it's that's what we need yeah. to feel good about our efforts. Yeah. But you don't stop when you hit your number. That's yeah. it, those so guys work hard. To, I, I think mm -hmm. a lot of people in the public don't realize how much work is constantly being done on all of our game species. So you guys do stuff with migratory birds. I, how many people have ever shot a banded dove? And those people who haven't probably don't even think about the fact that we're, you know, doing that harvest information data. And I saw a harvested dove posted on uh, one of the website forums or the Facebook forums yeah. this week. I didn't even know they banded doves. The guy yeah. had shot it, had no idea that doves were banded. So. Yeah, exactly. And the uh, same thing with waterfowl. I yeah. didn't know that we did all that with uh, wood ducks until I went down there and saw them shoot the nets off. And yep. that, that was really cool. I wish I would have taken more bug spray or thermosel before I went down there. <laughs> that was uh, the sloughs. Right. Mm -hmm. Is that, yeah. Sloughs WMA. My right. gosh. Some of those. Mosquito heaven down yeah. there. Yeah. Well, it's like <laughs> some of those same places, because I'm not a big waterfowler. I've never even really been waterfowl hunting. I want to go. But um, some of the same places that are really good for waterfowl just so happen to be really good for mosquitoes. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> you got to figure Especially out. that early wood duck season. Yeah, yeah no doubt. <laughs> September, what is it, 18th this year? 19th? 20th? Yeah, it's on right I'd now. have to look at the calendar. No, Earth? wood duck, it's. Uh, I think it's a third Saturday. It is the third Saturday. I just don't remember the exact oh, date. Early Canada Goose is open right now, right? I don't think any of the waterfowl. West knows. I know. The 21st this year, 21st through the 25th would be wood duck, and then you can till the, the 26th only, yeah. through the 29th. Yeah. So till only following the wood duck season. It's wood duck so and till September the first September Canada Goose days. on right now? Right? September Canada Goose starts September 16th through okay, the Okay, that's right. It runs to yep. the end. That's yep. right. so the last 15 that. days in September. Uh, is that the second Saturday? The f yeah, that's the the it's the sixteenth, so it's uh, a Monday. The Saturday. I write the guy I can remember yep. a bit of it. Yeah. <laughs> so I've done twenty of them, and the more I do, the dumber I get. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, what do you, what do you got? Did you want to talk about Lear? You got well, anything um, specific? One thing that my boss Dave wanted me to mention real quick, and this won't affect too many people. My but boss they, Dave. They are, um, um, he just found out he's working on a release that uh, the, the, at Paintsville Lake Tailwater, which is in Johnson County up near Paintsville, of course. I've fished the lake many times, it's beautiful. That's a very popular trout fishing area, but the, there's hardly any water coming through the dam, so they're suspending 
uh, stockings until they get the water up. So if you were looking to go, they were going to do one scheduled, I think, tomorrow, if they were going to do one, um, they're, they're not going to now, maybe a few weeks. They just don't, don't have any water coming through the dam. And I went out last Tuesday on the Cumberland River with a, an old friend of mine, and uh, we absolutely destroyed rainbows. Caught one big brown, caught a nice brook, but mainly fat rainbows, most of them 17 to 20 inches. I caught one that was on wow. about pushing 21. It was probably four and change. Had a belly sticking out like a, uh, an old sow, and it was a ball. There is a cicada hatch going on right now, and um, they're dropping out of the trees, and we were throwing cicada dry flies and then running a dropper off of it with four pound fluorocarbon uh, to a small size 10 uh, pheasant tail nymph beadhead. And during the day, they were hitting the, the uh, dropper and then your, your fly would disappear and then you pull it. That's where I caught some nice ones. But the, the slug of water coming from the dam started to hit. And as that happened, they started hitting that cicada. And it was wild. You know, you're 15 feet out and you see these monster trout just swimming up toward the top, grab your cicada and pulling it down and huh. game on. Now, um, Gary Garth, who's a good friend of mine, outdoor writer, was for the Courier Journal forever. Uh, he just went out there and the guy in his, uh, his group caught a 24-inch rainbow and he said they destroyed big fish. So the Cumberland River has recovered. We're finally getting some good water conditions and it's fishing great. So if you have any interest or you've been, it's been too high for you to get when you've wanted to get down, they've had too much water coming through the dam, right now is the time. It's fishing fantastic, especially like, that lower river around Berksville. I would like to go to Cumberland and fish <clears> right now because I tell you a lot of places is tough. Mm -hmm. And Cumberland, they've been, you know, they're still pulling cool water, and it's, uh, I mean, it's a cool water situation, but I know a lot of the fishing across the state right now, it's kind of that late Yeah, that August, September, September. September's tough, except yeah. for flowing water. Yeah. It's one of my yeah. favorite times to string smallmouth fish and trout fish, but right. lake, lake fishing right now gets pretty tough. There's a, uh, a lady named Mackenzie Foster, who works for... Um, U.S. Fish and Wildlife down at Wolf Creek Dam. Mm -hmm. And I know she listens to the podcast because I was at the state fair this year and she was working the uh, um, Wolf Creek Dam booth or the U.S. Fish and Wildlife booth with mm -hmm. the trout. And she was out on the Cumberland fly fishing about the same time you were. And it looked like they were catching some some pretty good fish. Oh, man, we did it. I, I only caught one stalker size. The rest were 16 inches and bigger. Nice. I'd like to get down there and make that trip. Like I told you, I went out on Cave Run this past weekend, and I threw a muskie bait around out of the kayak for a while. Didn't have any luck, which, I mean, wasn't surprising at all. Because, <laughs> yeah, I mean, muskie fishing out of a kayak, if you just see a fish, I mean, it's it's awesome. Mm -hmm. I will say one time I, uh, you know, I was I was hitting stumps occasionally. But one time I hit a stick... And when I went to set the hook on it, it gave, and you know my bait slid to the side, and I could feel that resistance. I thought I had a muskie on, <laughs> and it was uh, my heart was pounding. <laughs> but I was, um, you know, I'm just waiting for the fishing to start getting really good all over the state. Mm -hmm. But right now, there are select opportunities that could be good. Extreme smallmouth will be good, yeah. and as a lot of people don't realize, September is one of the best months to. We've got to go out and do our wading trip. So that's fine. Um, I'm going tomorrow for an assignment. Thanks but, for the invite. Uh, well, it's, it's I'm actually helping somebody else out. So <laughs> they invited me. I just I'll, I'll, I'll we'll go. But September, a lot of people don't realize best time to throw a topwater bait. A lot of people don't think well, huh. fall topwater out there. It's more of an early early summer thing. Man, September they really tune on a walking bait, and you can just jack their jaw. Well, not so. just that, but like you said a minute ago, if you 
uh, what do they say, match the hatch, mm -hmm. you know, you got to throw what the fish are wanting to eat. And if you're walking down the sidewalk or you're looking at trees right now, you will see those cicada shells mm -hmm. or you'll see dead, you know, cicadas on the ground. Well, those things are landing in the water too. And trust me, a smallmouth gets a pretty good meal out of a mm -hmm. two inch long cicada. I'll be throwing that cicada fly out uh, tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> so something to think about <laughs> is that for sure. Kind of like in the spring, you know, people like to throw things that look like mayflies if there's mayflies all over the place and just kind of match match what the fish are already eating. But Gary and them, they were throwing, uh, using a grasshopper pattern as they're, as they're dry flying and dropping off that. You so know, it's not just cicadas, they were catching big ones on hoppers too. Another so. fishing tip that I, I didn't even think about this until about a month ago when we went fishing with Jim Doom. And we hit the water with Jim Doom and we're gonna go catfishing. Chad said, what are we using for bait? And Jim said, I don't know, I kind of just thought we'd find something. He didn't have any bait with him when they went down <laughs> the water. And so he, they were fishing below a dam, and he just took his dip net and scooped up a freshly dead Asian carp out of the water and used it for bait. Huh. And, you know, if you think about it, what are those catfish down there eating? Mm -hmm. Or whatever's floating in the river dead anyway. And he cut the air bladder out, and it almost looks like a little squid. It's like a white, and he said when you put that thing on the hook, you couldn't get it off. Uh, you could catch three or four catfish on the same oh, wow. air bladder. When I'm fishing at, like, the falls, Blow McAlpine, or... Anywhere, there's always an abundance of Asian carp, and I'm never going to feel bad about cutting Asian carp up from bait. Lord, no. <laughs> so I'm looking to go um, to McAlpine or something like that, snag myself a couple of Asian carp, and use the air bladders for catfish in that moving water. I feel like if it'll stay on the hook good, and it's mm -hmm. fresh, and it's dead, and it's yeah. what they're already eating. Heck yeah. So, so I'm thinking, you know, that might be something people don't think about is Asian carp for bait, because, you know, just another excuse heck, to kill them. Heck yeah, no doubt. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Put as many in the grave as you possibly can. Yeah. Put one in the mouth of a catfish, that's great. Yeah. So, yeah. and you know, I'd be, no, I'd be, because I've seen it. You'd be amazed at how many people eat those Asian carp out of there. And, uh, you know, I've, I've, more power to them. I've snagged them before, and, and people have seen me, you know, pulling one in, and they've ran over there, can I have it? And they want to take those Asian carp home. I've eaten them. They're, I've eaten them too. The silver carp's good. Uh, cleaning the, them is miserable. The, bony, the yeah. non bony part at the yeah. top is I'd really rather, good. I'd rather clean and eat a hybrid personally. Me too. Mm -hmm. But the, I mean, the Asian carp are pretty good. We call them, uh, what, well, there's a silver carp that we eat. Silver yeah, yeah. fin. Some people silver call them fin. that. Yeah. That's what they're calling them commercially. Silver fin. Oh, well. So, Any, go ahead. Wes, now that we're through the opening weekend for doves. You know, I'm going to go this coming weekend, and we've still got several good weekends left. Everybody acts like the first weekend and it's over. What changes would you recommend our, our listeners make if they want to go out and? Yeah, good, good. Point. So definitely, scouting is huge. Um, you know, a lot of you may have noticed this year new. That's when <laughs> I was. I meant to. I was, was like, a, that was the first one. Brand new red and white sign on all of our WMA public fields that you cannot scout August 15th through uh, September 1st at sunrise. That was a new regulation we put in place to take pressure off of doves from scouting parties. Uh, our managers were telling us that, you know, literally 10 different groups of hunters would come in every night for the week leading up to September 1st. And they're just looking for the best place to hunt. That's, you know, the way you get good at hunting, you're right, you scout. Mm -hmm. and we put that in the press release, scout mm -hmm. your field, figure out where to be. Well, they, they listened and there was, it was too much pressure. So we took that off. Now, later in the season, the second weekend, and beyond, it's all scouting. Doves are not going to be in mass numbers in every field. They will all of a sudden show up in one field, and they're only going to be there for a few days. So mm -hmm. uh, if you want a late season hunt, you need to put the time in. You can get in the fields now. They're not closed. You can get in there and, and look. Uh, don't drive in the fields. A lot of people yeah. still do that, and that's against 
regulation. So you can walk in, find your spot, and you can find some good hunts. Uh, I send people to check out the steel shot fields. As I said earlier, a lot of people don't like to shoot steel shot, so sometimes those fields don't get shot as much as a lead shot field would, and you might have some doves that uh, keep using that a little longer. Uh, it just depends on how well they did. Now this season, it was a beautiful day for opening day, mm -hmm. and the hunters were out. So late season hunting is gonna be uh, not as good, my guess is, I, you know, that's just a guess, but I bet you a lot more birds died to yesterday and Sunday than, uh, you know, say the, the year y'all hunted in yeah. the hurricane. Yeah. You know, you limited it out, but there yeah. were very few yeah, hunters we were like, in the oh, field. We, so, there won't be a bird going in the hurricane. Everybody, I knew yeah. the wind limited well, out. I was, I've never been so disappointed in myself in my life. The second weekend was very much like opening day because mm -hmm. there yeah. just weren't that many hunters out opening day. I did, so, I went that after that, but it wasn't. So the and number of hunters, that opening day with hurricane was the number fabulous. of hunters will drive how good those fields are the next weekend, and then after that you just got to scout. And so. so you know, Lee, you were talking about late season, and I mean, that's true. Obviously, opening weekend and uh, Labor Day are the most popular times to be out there. But there is hunting opportunity for dove. Yeah, all through the the fall and the winter. You're having mm -hmm. dove hunters. They love the late seasons, the mm -hmm. Thanksgiving yeah. season, and then the the, the yeah. winter season. We had good luck on January 16th. Yeah, two year, two years ago, or I guess it would have been January 16th of last year, but it was you know I think in the 2017 to 2018 season. But you can you can go dove hunting pretty much during any of those seasons and have luck, and I feel like it's completely overlooked later in the year. Oh yeah, dove hunting is very so much. So when you get into November. Thing. What, what do you recommend as we get to that second segment of the season? So with me, once duck season gets here, I forget about doves, but I start seeing them. And so the farm pond situation we were talking about, yep. that still works. But a lot of times it's just your WMA dove field. They, it's a new batch of doves probably that's come in from the northern states. They found a little bit of food and they're just hanging out. Now the private cooperative fields close the first segment. That's they right, October done. 26th, Six, they're, they're done. done. Yeah. And you can't go back to those, but your WMA fields are still open. And uh, now, now some WMAs, they do put out a deer food plot afterwards and they will close those fields that, you know, planting dates are, uh, what you can do to a dove field crop and still be legal to hunt it is very different than any other food plot. You know, you can only plant a food plot once for doves. Once you manipulate it, if you add any seed to it, it's, an, it's a baited situation. Now you can still, we still do. We will close a dove field, put a deer food plot in there, some winter wheat on top of what used to be sunflowers. And so that, if there's a sign that says no dove hunting in this field, that's why that is a baited yeah. field and you will be ticketed if you hunt after there's a sign been put up telling you not to. So there's some different things there, but those fields that are not, changed to a deer field or whatever, they can still be hot in the late uh, the Thanksgiving season and the uh, winter season as well. Sure. So now, those are pretty neat. One that a lot of people, we, we were waterfowl hunting two years ago. It was um, during that, that final segment and my God, they were feeding cattle out in the field. They had hay and there were some grain attractants and <laughs> doves were like, Phew. <laughs> I mean, yep. there was more doves than I've fat migrating late season doves. A lot of people are, you know, I've, I've written in, in stories before, food plot or feeding areas for cattle, you know, near, near feedlots, you know, can be good. What's some common sense rules if you encounter that situation where you can still hunt them but not be getting popped? So the Migratory Bird Treaty Act governs all baiting regulations for dove hunting. 
it's you can google that the federal rule 50 is what the rules are the u.s fish and wildlife service has a very good do's and don'ts you can do this you cannot do that i send everybody to that page and i also say if you're in doubt call the law enforcement officer and ask them now law enforcement is not going to certify you know this field is safe because you know it things change you know as soon as they say it's good somebody comes right behind them and dumps corn out on the ground and mm -hmm. it's no longer the same interpretation but you can ask them about situations so cattle feedlots for instance you know that things like that they can answer that for you but i, I send them straight to the u.s fish and wildlife service page because it's very plain do this do that there are some gray areas we but... need to put that link in the guide probably <laughs> we, for waterfowl you think it wouldn't hurt yeah do so, we have that in I, don't we have, i think we there. may have it may be in, in there but i remember i talked to one of the uh federal officers before and I told him that situation he goes well that's that's a dicey one because that can be off to discretion you know you could if you find a flyway they're coming into that but yep. but you know then you get into what is baiting it's right. to influence right. so if you're hunting them as they're going in to bait but you're pretty far away you, know, you get into those gray yep. areas but right we could have sat there and got our limits in no time yep. uh, in no situation I get tons of baiting questions each year what's legal what's not and if, if it's not listed on that sheet, ask your officer in your county, the one that would be issuing the, the citation. Yeah. So that's the best bet. A couple quick hitters here before we call it quits. Um, I, I wanna go dove hunting. I would, like I said, I would go today, but once archery deer season comes in, that's kind of my bread and butter <laughs> every year. Yeah, I pretty much dove hunt, or I deer hunt every opportunity I get, but being a bow hunter, I play the wind, You know, I play the weather. So days that I will be, will be dove hunting are days where I don't have a good wind to hunt my my good spots for deer. And uh, I'm telling you, I sweat so bad in the deer stand. Sometimes it's nice to be able to wear shorts and a t-shirt and <laughs> you know drink a Gatorade or whatever you want while you're hunting. So mm -hmm. I, I am going to get out and dove hunt this week. I wish I could think of a place to get a shotgun between here and Baghdad, Kentucky or whatever, <laughs> somewhere. I might have to call a buddy and see if he has a loaner I could borrow. Is yours on the Fritz, or did you forget it? No, mine's, mine's in Louisville, and I'm not <laughs> going back and forth. I'll bring it tomorrow. Um, yeah, so I'm looking forward to, to archery deer season. i got a feeling in the future on some podcasts, I'll probably be talking about what's going on, what I'm seeing in the woods. Um, just, you know, we had Joe Lacefield on not long ago, or you had to be somewhere that day, so mm -hmm. I had him on. He's talking about look for those mass crops, look for acorns and, mm -hmm. and things like that because not long after I've the noticed season I'm getting some bigger acorns. I've got a pin oak next door that's little. Yeah, Usually it's a little bitty. This year they're substantially bigger. Well, yeah, there's some red oaks that have already started dropping. So, yeah, so I think of, it's going to be good. Some of them are already dropping. We did have a drought for you know two weeks or so there, yeah. but if you think about back in the spring, it was perfect. Yeah, yeah. perfect. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's on the horizon. You got anything you want to add real quick? Yeah, quota hunt season. Sign oh, up yeah. right now, September 1st through the yep, 30th. Yeah, September's quota hunt month. I actually oh. had quota hunts written here, and I completely missed speaking it. Of, speaking of archery deer hunting, Higginson Henry WMA has a new archery and crossbow only quota hunt. Uh, you can check that out. It's in the hunting guide. So what animals can you, or are there quota hunts for? So we have deer, obviously, pheasants, duck. Uh, if We have mentor dove hunts. That is a quota hunt. Sandhill cranes is a quota hunt. And the Ballard and Slews WMAs have their individual daily draws. So you draw for a specific date or set of dates okay. at those. I think that covers all the 
world of hunts. Yeah, and there's some more information on the website, fw.ky.gov, and you can navigate tabs to get to it or the search box up in the top right corner. Right. That's what I always tell you. It's the easiest way. Just go to fw.ky.gov and type in what you're looking for in the search box because yep. chances are it's going to come up for you right there. Yep. The season-long blind drawings at some of our WMAs, those are happening this fall. Uh, one changed this year at Doug Travis. Historically, that one was drawn the last weekend of August. Uh, due to the this year being right up against the Labor Day holiday, they moved it to September 28th. It will probably stay September, mm -hmm. uh, late September. The again. news release is on our website. It came yep, out news release week. went out. It has all the dates for uh, like Barkley Lake, uh, Slews WMA, also Barren River Lake, Green River Green Lake. River, yeah. All of those have a set drawing for a season-long blind. Uh, also at Doug Travis this year, we have two mobility impaired hunting blinds. Mm -hmm. uh, historically, you applied for those November 1st through the 15th. That only gave me a, about a week to get paperwork mailed out to everybody. And last year, Thanksgiving was early, so it mm -hmm. was a short week. We moved that this year to September 1st through the 30th, same as all the rest okay. of them. So if you apply for the mobility impaired blind drawing, which you apply for individual dates, uh, Doug Travis WMA, that'll happen in September this year instead of November. So right now is the time to sign up for quota hunts. You've mm -hmm. listed the species, and you know, I think a lot of people, I'm thinking about myself 10 years ago before I started, you know, before I moved to a college town and I had to find a new place to hunt, I never had really been on the department's website and looked at where WMAs were and seen yeah. all the, you know, public land opportunities. Then you're looking at all the quota hunts or opportunities on each WMA. If people just got on the website and kind of looked at where the public land was and looked at what opportunities are out there, they'd probably be surprised at what they could do that they might not know about now. So I would say get on there and explore that and you might find a quota hunt somewhere convenient for you or somewhere you want to take a trip to anyway. And um, right now is the time to sign up for those. Yeah, I'm there, gonna sign up for some. There's some really good deer taking on public land quota hunts every yeah. year, but you wouldn't think big deer on public land, you think the pressure would push them off or make them nocturnal or whatever. But every year I'm surprised at a big buck that's harvested during a quota hunt. So I'm gonna sign up for the Sand Hill quota hunt this year. Yeah, that's, that's I gotta a get on the one. pheasant hunt at Clay. That's, that is fun. I've never done that before. I'd like to do some upland. I never, yeah, I never have. I've got, uh, you walk your butt off, yeah, but it's I've fun. I've done it several times, it's a lot of fun. I've got quail on the property I just moved from and I, I would see them every single day out there. Old Bob hanging out in my front yard on my driveway, but I've never thought about going hunting for them. But, I feel bad, you know, I only see a couple of them and <laughs> I kind of want, I like that population being there. So I didn't really want to go hunt them right there. But it'd be fun to do on WMA or something, especially where there's some put and take resources going on. Yep. And I'd say those quail I saw had to be released from somebody. That's hard to say. Yeah. They're in weird spots. I have them in my backyard and they're definitely not released yeah. birds, but I don't have a huntable yeah. population That's what I'm on saying. my I had farm, them so. and it was cool to see them. They hang in. So. Yeah. And there was a couple times where that shotgun was in the back of the truck and I wanted to take that. <laughs> I never did. <laughs> but um, real quick, well, I uh, see so you looking at your watch. I'm sure you got stuff to do. We've been going long enough. Mm -hmm. um, oh, yeah. Did you guys watch uh, any football games over the weekend? Yeah, I did. did you Georgia State, looking good. You watched Georgia State <laughs> oh, against did Tennessee? Did Tennessee Wildlife's Facebook Oh, it was post. horrible. Yeah, oh. it was a sunk boat, wasn't it? Yeah, they yeah. Looked, that was so nice. I I'm, so I am a UT fan. I grew oh, up in I'm Tennessee, sorry. but I'm a bigger Vanderbilt fan, mm -hmm. and even bigger than that. Dad and my uncle went to school in Alabama, so I uh, inherited an Alabama uh, fan base, I guess. But uh, 
I my love to see you too, man, but I mean, when you live in Georgia State, you deserve to get heckled by anybody. Can so. you imagine, though? Okay, so yeah, here's <laughs> Tennessee Wildlife Resource Agency put up. It's a picture of a boat that sunk, and they're talking about they how... They caught on fire right out there by the... Yep. The is that the one called out by yeah. the same? Yep. Mm -hmm. It says it was, uh, was recovered by Towboat U.S. I wonder if they're in the business of football team recovery. Oh, I love it. Can I you imagine? I love it. Oh, <laughs> I love, Lord. I love Cracker I bet they got... I bet they got some blowback on that. Do you think? Yeah, probably. Can but. you imagine if we said something about the cats? Oh, no, <laughs> I, I would. You know, you we knew would that, but, you no, I would I never change do that. my name. <laughs> I would. I would never do I that hope either. They don't get in any trouble. Oh, you can, it's all in fun. Yeah, and that was funny. I but, think every UT fan made fun of. Well, their post game show went on yeah. like until nearly dawn. They kept because there were so many people calling. My Every gosh. UT fan that I'm friends with made fun of their team this weekend. Yeah, so don't get, get mad if somebody I else does it. Yeah, I tell you what, if we don't beat UT this year, as well, in I mean, Kentucky, I can't believe that. Yeah. So we'll jump off a cliff. Yeah. It'll look better than I thought. Yeah, that's what know? I was gonna say. I watched both games this weekend. I thought I think they got wore down the second half just from lack of depth. Well, well that's what Kentucky did. Uh, yeah, Toledo. Uh, yeah, that's what Kentucky did to Toledo. I thought Kentucky looked okay. Questions for me were, and I'm gonna start doing this on the podcast when I get my two-minute sports take. <laughs> I thought Kentucky looked good. Questions for me were Terry Wilson, is it gonna be better? Mm -hmm. And our secondary had like three combined snaps between the, everybody in that group going into the season. And I mean, they ended up getting a couple of interceptions and I thought the secondary looked good. I was happy with it. Terry Wilson looked better mm -hmm. and our running backs were, were good. We put up a lot of rushing yards. And, and um, I was impressed by our wide receivers as well. It didn't have a drop. Yep. That we, secondary, know, if they stay healthy, they're going to get good because you got to get game snaps to, yeah. to yeah. get used to the speed. But, what, of, but they're they're fast. That's what I mean. Well, pra you can't practice as fast as games play. So I thought, if I, they stay healthy, the, that secondary is going to be something special. And, I, the, and the middle line, the linebacker core looked really nice. Our line is, is good. Yeah. And I mean, Cash Daniels, I love his energy. He's, he's been on Kentucky Field before. I know, fishing. Both, he, yeah. and landed, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad like he, he didn't hurt his knee. I'm glad to see him. We're, we should have a stud offensive line. Good defensive line. I think the linebackers are going to come along. Um, overall, I was happy. Uh, a little frustrated first half, but I mean jitters. You well, I think tell. we came out they a little. Tight. We came out a little bit. It's tight. sloppy. Like if you looked at that Miami and Florida game, I mean it was slapped the whole way. And uh, yeah, we came out a little sloppy second half. Cleaned it up, pulled away. Could have easily been like a, you know, twenty-something point win. Yeah. They got a garbage touchdown late, but and then Louisville. I watched them last night, and I, I, I gotta too. admit, I was actually looking forward to seeing Louisville play even more than Kentucky because I just wanted to see what happened after that dumpster fire last year. I mean, can they pull anything out of there? I mean, I was, uh, you know, obviously the players have bought into this yeah. new coaching staff. I like they Satterfield. Played, they played, yeah. Given looking at his attitude and kind of the way he talks, I like him. His demeanor on the sideline, he doesn't seem anything like Bobby Petrino at all, which I'm not knocking Bobby, but I mean, I think everybody's glad that he's gone. And uh, Puma Pass looked good last night. The three fumbles didn't help. Well, two in 15 seconds mm -hmm. is just unheard of. I, one team fumbling the ball mm -hmm. for a loss two times point, in point, 15 point play. I was like, can y'all get a snap ball without fumbling? Well, yeah. it would have been a four-point game in the fourth quarter if it wasn't for that second fumble mm -hmm. that Notre Dame scored on in the half. But yeah. both teams covered, and uh, I don't know, I, I feel... Confident. Notre Dame, you know, I'm telling you, I'm, I think uh, some teams are going to beat them. I don't know. I mean, well, they got they're completely spanked by yeah. Clemson last year. Yeah, was no. it 62 to nothing yeah. or something like that? <laughs> yeah. Whatever it was in the playoffs, I can't remember, but they aren't going to make it. This year it's going to be Clemson, Alabama, um, Georgia, Georgia, and yeah. then you take your pick of Texas, Ohio State, or 
or Oklahoma or somebody like that for the fourth spot. Notre Dame's not in there, if you ask me. Yeah, I agree. All right, that's uh, that's our sports take for the week. I like it. All right, <laughs> all right. Thanks for coming on, Wes. I appreciate uh, I it. it. Y'all have a good one. Thank you, Lee.